Welcome to the Innovation and Technology Management Seminar Series hosted by the Engineering Management Program in the Pratt School of Engineering at Duke University. My name is Jeff Glass and I'm the Faculty Director for the Engineering Management Program. The purpose of our seminar series is to introduce engineers and scientists to various business and management concepts that they will find useful throughout their careers. Speakers represent a diverse array of industries from finance and information technology to materials processing and biotechnology. If you'd like to learn more about the Engineering Management Program at Duke, including these podcasts and any associated audiovisual materials that are sometimes available, please visit our website at memp.duke.edu. Thanks for your interest in our series, and please do not hesitate to contact us with suggestions or questions. Today's speaker is Mike Brothers. Mike Brothers has over 20 years' experience in product development, program management, and design engineering. His areas of expertise include strategy development, innovation management, product development, process redesign, business care development, and program project management. Mike's experience spans several industries including high-tech, telecommunications, aerospace and defense, and medical instrumentation. Mike holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering from MIT and an MBA from the Anderson School at UCLA. First of all, I wanted to comment on you know, how impressive it is that so many people show up on a late afternoon on a Friday to, to learn something, especially a good Friday at a university like Duke. Uh, so thanks for coming. I hope uh, some of the things I have to share with you today will be valuable to you in the future. Um, I kind of like to uh, proceed on the basis of kind of a discovery discussion. So, you know, I prefer a lot of questions uh, as opposed to me standing up here and, and talking a lot. I think it'll be more valuable to you if you get your questions answered, whatever they may be. Uh, I'd like to talk this afternoon about uh, a couple of topics management, engineering management, consulting in product development and other areas, and uh, any other topics that might be of interest to you, that I could uh, possibly share something uh, that might be helpful to you. Um, the agenda looks something like this. Uh, I have an introductory slide, a couple slides about PTC. We're not going to spend hardly any time on those. Uh, we have a case study. I use that term loosely. More of a exercise, uh, I'm going to turn you into consultants and you're going to kind of help me figure out how to help a client. It's an example that I took from uh, a recent uh, engagement that uh, PTC uh, delivered to a client back in October, November of 06. And I think it might be relevant to your course of study and interest. Uh, so we'll do something, uh, we'll look at something called a methodology, figure out what that is. Uh, we're going to do a vision assessment. I'm going to walk you through that. You're going to do some exercises to work through that. Um, we'll talk about strategies and business initiatives and capability gaps, all related to uh, the subject of product development uh, at a company. Uh, if we have time, we'll talk about a balanced scorecard. Actually, we're probably going to make time for that uh, activity. There's a video I'd like to show and kind of a fun exercise related to that. Um, then we'll take questions. Uh, if we have extra time, I've got a couple other slides at the end that may or may not be interesting to you. Uh, if we don't get to those, you can always uh, look at the PowerPoint afterwards, and uh, I'll take questions you know, by email or whatever if you have questions on those. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that? So this is a little bit about myself. Um, I just put this up there to show you or to let you know a little bit about my background, industries that I've consulted in, um, types of consulting projects that I've delivered. Um, what you'll see up here is that I've, I've got a lot of experience in certain specific industries, aerospace and defense. I spent 15 years as an engineer and a manager. Uh, in high tech, uh, I was most recently at Sony Ericsson uh, in the park here uh, doing wireless uh, product development. Uh, consulting services, probably, I don't know, five to eight years of that with various companies. I worked for a big four firm. Uh, I worked for a small boutique consulting firm. Uh, I'm now working in a global services capacity, which is also consulting at PTC. Um, the reason I put the industries list 
up there under consulting experiences to show you that you know you don't have to be limited to industries that you've actually worked in to provide consulting services. And I guess my first question to you is, you know, what do you think about that? Or do you think it's possible or smart to, or even reasonable to consult in an industry where perhaps you don't have uh, much experience in that industry? Does anybody have any thoughts on that? In the back? Okay, so there's attributes of the final product that might be similar across industries. Therefore, a consultant might be able to bring some interesting viewpoints to a different industry they haven't worked in. that answer problem solving techniques so consultants don't necessarily have the answers but we like to say we know what are the smart questions to ask and that that's kind of a comforting feeling when you're a consultant because you don't if you don't put that burden on yourself of having to be the answer man uh, just knowing what questions to ask it becomes a lot a lot more reasonable to uh, help companies Yeah, so that's kind of the point of my question is, um, you know, does it make sense to consult outside of your industry? And there's, it's kind of a yes-no answer, to be honest. Um, there are certain industry-specific knowledge points that are, can be valuable. For example, um, in telecom, it's good to know what a churn rate is. Whereas in, if you're in healthcare, you don't know what churn rate means unless you're maybe a a health benefit provider, but you know, churn is something that's kind of an industry-specific term, uh, having to do with people canceling their service and going with another cell provider, for example. So there's industry terminology that can be helpful. There's the industry experience that can also be helpful. But at the same time, as the gentleman pointed out back here, uh, a lot of companies in across industries. My company has found that across industries, a lot of companies are dealing with the same kinds of product development issues, and we're going to, I have a chart we may get to that talks about what some of those common issues are. So I guess my first point tonight is that um, just because you're not from an industry doesn't mean you don't have value that you can provide within an industry. And as an example, I offer myself, I have an aerospace and defense background, a telecom background, but I consulted in insurance. Actually, it was a catastrophe reinsurance. Uh, a very interesting industry, retail, education, information services. I have no experience in those industries, but I've offered consulting services. Um, this is frankly an abbreviated list. Some notice, noticeable exceptions might be energy. I've never gotten into that industry or for the most part healthcare. Um, service offerings. Take a look at that list and tell me if there's anything that might stand out as kind of oddball to you. What do you think of that list? What was that? Executive compensation, exactly. I spent a year doing executive compensation. It was, frankly, kind of a distasteful uh, experience from my perspective. Um, but I learned a lot about how executives get compensated. Um, if you have questions about salaries and how companies kind of figure out how they value employees and what they do to figure out how much you should get paid. You can come and ask me about that uh, after the presentation. Uh, this is a slide about PTC. You know, we've got 4,000 employees and 
a lot of customers, and you can go back and read this later uh, at your leisure. Uh, a little bit about who PTC is. So if you, uh, I understand most folks here are engineers. Is that right? Have engineering backgrounds. Is that right? Anybody not an engineer by trade? All engineers. One? What's your background? I'm just curious. Medicine. Medicine. Okay, very good. All right, so um, most of my comments are going to be directed at people with engineering backgrounds, but maybe you'll relate, hopefully. Okay, so we make Windchill, we make Pro-E. It's a mechanical CAD package. Some of you might recognize that. Uh, recent acquisitions, Arbortex, MathSoft. So uh, we're building up. Let's go, let's go to the case study. First question regarding the case study, actually, before we get into that is what... What value do you think consultants bring to companies? Or why do, actually, let me rephrase that. Why do companies hire consultants? Anybody have a thought about that? Why do companies hire consultants? Okay, so, so out of the box view, you said. So bringing perspectives from outside industry into the company, that might be a good reason. Any other comments? Um, sometimes they might go looking for a specialist. If they don't have anybody on board, they can hire a consulting specialist in a certain area. That they need. Looking for a specialist, so a subject matter expert. Sometimes it might take a company years to develop expertise in an area. It might be financially cheaper. In fact, many times it is to go out and hire an industry expert for a short period of time to provide that expertise and then cut them loose when we don't need them anymore. So uh, two, two kind of ways I think about that is one, one situation is what we call staff augmentation, which is I just have a position I need to fill and I need, a, I need a person to fill it, so I might hire a consultant to fill the position. And then the second one is a subject matter expert, meaning I just want to bring somebody in that's knowledgeable and it's cost effective for me to use that person instead of developing uh, internally a person with that same knowledge. So we're going to jump into this uh, case study. Uh, I'm calling it a business priorities alignment. That's, a, that's PTC terminology. What that means is that we're going to figure out or we're going to think about how to help a company with their product development system and how to improve it. Um, let's just uh, go, we'll just go to the next slide. I was going to say something, but I'm going to take it back. Our target client... Again, this was an October, November 06 time period. It's a real client. It's one of the large aerospace and defense companies. They're based in North America. I just provide this by way of background. It's actually not terribly relevant, but somehow it gives people comfort to know it's a real, a real case study. They've got five domestic business units. Uh, a lot of users, 80,000 employees, 15,000 potential engineering heavy users, a $23 billion division, uh, so it's one of the big ones, and you can see their product development objectives, which it's worth taking a, taking a read of those five objectives. I'll just read them out loud real quick as we go along. Uh, and these came directly from the company. We didn't uncover this. They provided this to us, and so as a consultant, this, is, this would be given to you ahead of showing up for a consulting engagement. They told us that they want to exceed their current execution level. They want to enable cross-site integration and collaboration. They want to improve knowledge transfer. They want to be able to interface all their tools. They want to enable some outside work and collaboration with external companies in the future. So I guess that's, that's kind of broad in general. And if you think about that, that could be any company, not just aerospace and defense. Any company could come to us with this kind of a list. So we could staff this with consultants from any industry just based on those objectives. Um, again, a lot of their concerns are the same concerns that other companies would have. Let me just make sure I'm not missing any points I wanted to cover. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, when we go into a, a client and we want to offer consulting services, the first thing we have to do is sell the engagement or sell the service. And we're going, to, we're going to show them some slides that will compel them 
to say that, you know, we are the experts, we know what we're talking about, here's what we want to do for you. Uh, and this is a pretty popular slide. Um, it talks about a value gap. So in consulting, we have, you know, what's expected from the client. The client has expectations about what they're buying, and I'll tell you, those are typically unreachable, very high expectations. Uh, they're going to they're gonna want to get their money's worth. And from the consulting perspective, you're always worried about uh, what's called your bill rate. So a, a consultant has a bill rate tied to them. That's the amount of money a company pays you per hour to provide your services. And so you're always worried as a consultant about justifying your bill rate. Um, so to get this, uh, so the value gap is what's provided by the, by the uh, service company versus what is expected by the, the client. We call it a value gap. Uh, and there's three real reasons for this value gap. And today we're really only going to be interested in this first one, which says uh, inability to align strategy, operating model, process, and technology. Um, one way to think about this is um, a lot of consulting companies, big four companies, Deloitte's, uh, you know, um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, IBM, uh, they'll, they'll think about this as, they'll say people process technology. These are typical dimensions of problem solving that they're going to want to address. And you can see that in here, people process and technology. Uh, what we're going to go after today is mostly strategy. We want to understand what the strategy of the company is, and we want to make sure that we have alignment to that strategy. So we think that's pretty important. And uh, as part of this engagement, the typical questions we want to answer are highlighted in bold there. What's important? What are we going to measure? What are we going to improve? What are the benefits? How are we going to get there? Once we execute the project, how do we know how well we're doing? If we can answer all those questions based on history, our clients have told us that we're doing a good job. So now you're ready as consultants to go in and start doing some work. And the first step, actually let me go back. Before we take that next step, just knowing what you know now, what little information I've given you, what, what would you do as your first step? How would you, does anybody have a thought on how we would get started? We're going to go into a company, all we, you know, we've been given five objectives, they're product development related. Um, they know they want to improve how they do their work. What are we going to do as consultants when we go in and start talking? Who are we going to talk to? Maybe that's a good first question. Who are you going to talk to? You're going to talk to everyone you can. Interesting. Maybe inefficient. Are you going to talk to all the uh, janitors and supervisors? And who are you going to talk to? Engineers. So you're going to start at the bottom and work your way up, perhaps. You're going to talk to the IT department. Interesting. Is that what you said? The quality department. Who collects metrics? Okay, you're going to talk to the quality folks and get some metrics. Okay. You're going to talk to the executives first. Okay, anybody else have an idea? You're going to talk to the mid-level folks, managers. So we're going to have to talk to engineers, managers, and executives. Who are you going to talk to? The sponsor. Very good. So, so let's think about that for a minute. If we're going to try to sell our services to a company... Who's our sponsor going to be likely? Who, who would be the best sponsor for our project? Anybody? Who? Who? Executives? Executives. 
we think uh, the higher the better, actually. And I think that's pretty much, I offer that as a kind of a general, general consulting perspective. It's always better to start, if you can get the CEO's attention, that's better. If you, if you can only get to a VP level, that's great. Uh, many times because of the industry we're in and our, the way our company grew up, we start with the IT department, which is not so good because they're the enablers, not the actually the people doing the operations part. They're not doing the product development, they're enabling the product development. Uh, it's better to get into engineering, better to get to a VP of engineering. If I can only get to the director, you know, many times director level folks don't have uh, signing authority for the money. You want to get to someone who can fund the project. That's usually a, an executive. So yeah, we want to go as high as we can. And uh, another reason for that, actually the key reason for that, is uh, you know these these projects can go awry pretty astray pretty quick, and uh, you always want to have someone with leverage in the company, someone who can get things done for you, someone you can escalate to, to get your work done. So we we think it's always best to go as high as possible. All right, so we know who we're going to talk to. Let's let's look at a methodology. This is what uh, this is a methodology that PTC uses. It's called value realization approach, not don't worry about the terminology. It's basically a nine-step approach. So in consulting, what we usually do is we come in and we'll have kind of a prepackaged plan. Doesn't mean we necessarily do that exactly at every client, but it gives us kind of a starting point, makes clients feel good that you know what you're talking about. It's, it's typically based on some kind of historical work that you've done. And in this case, we've realized that our clients have said, you know, we want all these questions answered that we talked about on the previous slide. These steps are designed to answer those questions. The, uh, today we're only going to cover the first four steps if we have time. Uh, and I'm going to move along, but uh, th let's just look at that real quick. The first step is to figure out what's the, what's the strategy of the company. We're going to spend some time on that. The second step we're going to skip. It talks about what are the business initiatives associated with those strategies that middle managers might use to execute against to achieve the strategy. The third step has to do with process. Uh, we're looking for what are the capability gaps, and I'll show you of the capability gaps of the product development organization. I'll show you a few slides on that. The fourth step is a balanced scorecard. The remaining steps we're not going to cover, but basically it has to do with figuring out what's the, what's the roadmap, how are we going to get there, what are we going to do as a project following, following our strategy engagement? And uh, the last step is what's the business case or what's the return on investment for a project? So let's start with strategy. Now we've gone in, we're going to talk to, we're going to go to the top. We're going to get a room full of executives if we can. In some cases, we may only talk to the VP of engineering. We'll take whoever we can get, as high as we can get. But we're going to start working through this process of defining what the strategies are. This first slide says that we're going to, a company creates value in two ways through their product development organization. Let's think about that for a minute. Can someone tell me how companies create value through a product development organization? How would you, how does a company make money? Actually, forget about product development. How does a company make money? selling products and services. Okay, they, what if they, selling products and services, what else? Say again? Selling price is higher than the cost. So that might be profitability. Can we say that? Profitability, that's one. One way to make money is profitability. What's the second way? They meet a need. Okay, that's, that's fair. Um, what I'm looking for is you can lower your profitability but still make money by getting more revenues, right? You can increase your revenue or you can be more profitable. Two ways to, two ways to deliver value to the company. So the point of view that I'm presenting here says there's nine typical strategies that companies use in their product de development organization to deliver either revenue, growth, 
or profitability. And what I want to do is spend a couple minutes thinking about, by the way, how much time do we have? Uh, 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes. I'll try to keep the time on that. Who can tell me what a strategy might be in a product development organization to uh, deliver either revenue or profitability? Do what? Diversify their offerings. That's a good one. That's on the list. Interestingly enough, I've never, by the way, I've never heard one that's not on the list, but I'm not saying there's, you guys might come up with one. That would be really interesting. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Okay, so that's a very specific example. You might, he's talking about the razor blade example. Say again? You're going to lower cost, so that's a profitability example. Lower cost. I'm going to talk, call the razor example maybe extending a product line, something along those lines. What, do you have an idea? Tap into new markets. Go after new markets. That's a, is that revenue or profitability? Revenue. Revenue. Go after new markets. I can't hear you. Can someone repeat that? Mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, we typically don't call that a product development organization strategy, but I can see where you're going with that. That's, that's interesting. So you could extend your capability in your product development group by merger or acquisition. Anybody else have an idea? What was that? Innovate. Innovation. Innovation. Very good. You're going to innovate new products, right? You're going to think new things. There's a really good one. Let's put some ideas up here. Look at the right column. Don't worry about the blue boxes. It's the same thing. So the first strategy is what we call it voice of the customer or delivering products to customers that are interesting to them or they've told us they want. Barriers to entry, so we increase the cost to enter a market for our competitors. We might improve delivery cycle, so that's responding quicker to orders. If we respond quicker, we, can get, we, can, we have time to do more, produce more, or do more products or develop. Uh, Follow-on revenue, so this is extending product lines. Innovation, someone mentioned. Price premium, so we can develop prod products that are attractive to the high-end niche market. Total cost out margin or improvement. Total cost out or margin improvement. So this is a profitability, uh, a profitability strategy, take cost out of the product. Someone said, you know, uh, build your product at a certain cost and sell it at a higher, higher price. So if you can lower the cost, you've increased your profitability. Life cycle cost management. If you can take cost out of the development life cycle of a product that has value and you can save cost. Optimized operations. If you can be more efficient about the way you use your assets in your product development organization, you can be more profitable. So somehow we've squeezed all of our ideas about product development strategies into these nine. So now that you know that there's nine product development strategies, you're going to talk to your executives again. Hang on one second. What, what would you do with that? You're going to go back and talk to the executives now. You know there's nine strategies. What are you going to do? You're a consultant. You want to help a company. You're going to prioritize the strategies. Very good. That's exactly what I was looking for. You can see, I gave you a little hint there. It says score. <laughs> We're going to prioritize the strategies. Let's take a question. That's a profitability strategy. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, I imagine that probably fits under life cycle cost management, maybe. That's a, outsourcing would be a profitability measure, maybe optimized operations, I'm not sure. 
depends on whether it's uh, development focused or manufacturing focused. Okay, so we're going to we're going to have our executives prioritize these. That's going to give us a lot of information. So what we did is we went and talked to the executives at this aerospace and defense company, and they filled out a very simple survey, and they were told to force rank from, I believe it was 2 to 10, could have been 1 to 9, 2 to 10, what their priorities are. So 10 is very important. Is that showing up real well? Yeah, you can see that. Uh, a 2 is least important. So this is what they told us, and I've highlighted in red the high scores. I think there's actually a mistake on here. The improved delivery cycle should have been orange. And then that lighter beige color is least important. So let's take a minute to look at that. And maybe uh, after you've looked at it, I'd be interested in your comments about what you think about the results of that survey. Because what you're going to be asked to do as a consultant, now that you've got the survey feedback, is tell them what it means. There's a lot of interesting observations in here we're going to, we're going to cover. Who? The last guy. JJ, yes. JJ didn't do the force ranking. Who? We're going to talk about why he did that. JJ didn't force rank. What else? Notice anything? They're doing what? They're looking at barriers to entry. Well, they're not, they're not interested in barriers to entry, it looks like to me. Is that, would that be fair? The low numbers are, are least important. So this is an aerospace and defense company. You don't normally think about, they, they just naturally have a barrier to entry, don't they? It's so costly to do business. <laughs> There's some disagreement. So, and that's what we're looking for in part with this survey is how well, how well are we aligned? And we're going to talk about the disagreements. There's another comment over here. Go ahead. So life cycle cost management, a discrepancy. Not all that bad, though. Seven to ten, that's pretty tight, actually. Actually, a lot of folks seem to agree that that's pretty important, is what I would... Oh, you mean the difference between the first two columns? Yeah, so the survey went out to executives and it went out to the whole organization. We asked everybody, engineers, middle managers, executives. So the first column is everybody's response. The second column is just the executives. Why do we do that? Why do you think we break that out? That's a good point. Why do we break out executives from everybody else? We're seeing how the top management's uh, objectives are compared to the rest of the yeah, are they communicating? Does everybody know what the strategy is of the organization or not? Do they, so this is very instructive. Are they communicating well? Do the employees get it? Or are the executives over here in their own little vacuum, you know, thinking things up, and the employees are over here grinding out day by day, trying to figure out what to do and kind of leaderless? So we're looking for alignment between those two numbers to figure out if the executive communication strategy is effective. So that's a great point. What else do you see in here? Anything else? There seems to be some kind of correlation between follow on revenue and price premium. Follow on revenue and price premium. Okay. They're both not interesting. That's what that looks like to me. <laughs> Go ahead. Price premium is low. And what was high? Margin improvement was very important. Yeah, so I wonder if, I don't know this. That, that's an interesting comment. That didn't come up, actually. That's not something we came up with out of this, but that's a good, a good thought. 
you know, the aerospace and defense industry is big on developing platforms, and a new platform is very expensive, but taking an existing, what they call a platform, and making changes to it is much more cost-effective. So maybe, maybe price premiums are hard to get if you don't come out with a new platform, but uh, getting cost out of your products is, is going to get you more, more profitability. Um, let me ask this question. Take a look at those scores and tell me, who do you think is the CIO of the company and why? Who is the CIO based on the responses? Someone thinks JJ? Anybody else? Just take, you know, what do you think? Who's the CIO? These are, these are initials of the people. I should have pointed that out. Anybody? Why do you think EB? He's interested in what? He's interested in the cost? Did everybody hear that? Anybody else have an idea for CIO? EB was the CIO, by the way. So very good. You get a gold star. Who do you think is the, um, who's the division president? Anybody want to take a guess at division president? JJ. JJ's all of it, isn't he? <laughs> He's all over the place. JJ might be. Why? Who said JJ? Why? So he has interest in a lot of areas. DH. DH. Why do you think DH? Oh. <laughs> so you know somebody. <laughs> he was. Very good. He's a personal friend. Okay, well, JJ is the division president. It's JJ. Uh, what happened in this situation was we were filling out these surveys. We, we sent it out. We didn't get a great response from the executives. We were in a meeting with two executives at once. It was at their staff meeting. And uh, they got so excited about the survey they grabbed a hard copy and ran it down to his office. See, if you, this is an Excel. This is an Excel spreadsheet. And if you do it on the Excel spreadsheet, you can only do the force ranking. It forces you to choose unique numbers. But if you fill it out by hand, like he did, you, know, you can do whatever you want. So he didn't do the force ranking like he was told. And the reason was because he said... You know, he had told certain individuals on his staff that their areas were particularly important and they wanted to focus on it in the coming year. And he didn't want to have a survey out there that said, hey, your area is not as important as the next guy's. So he gave four tens and, and a nine out. That was his reasoning was he, he didn't want to uh, discriminate between everything that he thought was important. Um, we're going to do one more. Who do you think the... Um, We'll do two more. Oh, we're running out of time. Who do you think the quality person is, real quick? Anybody? Quality. DH? SS. Those are the two that look like quality to me. Focused on profitability. Another one, TK. It's, it's SS is the quality person. And lastly... Here's the last one. Who do you think the engineering VP is? Engineering VP. TK. What? Anybody else? What was it? Say, say again. DR. DR. DR has an interesting profile. Turns out it's KN. KN was the engineering VP. So... Kind of what we read into this was everybody pretty much agreed on what was important as a team for the most part as much as they could. But for their particular area, 
they felt their area was you know the most important. Which I guess if you have a staff, you know you want that's what you want. You know, the quality person should be mostly interested in quality. That should be most important on their radar screen. Um, generally speaking, based on results from other companies and having done this a lot, we felt that those scores between executives and all respondents showed that the communication strategy was being communicated effectively. The employees were pretty much on the, pretty much on the same page as the managers, on the same page as the executives. Um, and there was a lot of agreement on what the strategy of the organization for product development is. I'm going to show that on this next slide. We kind of summed it up with this, this sentence. Lead the market for innovation and drive profitability through operational excellence. So we, we took that statement, we played it back to the executives and said, you know, does, do you agree or not? And they said, oh yeah, that's exactly right. Within an industry, for a given time period, I would say yes. You know, for if you look years apart, they generally vary. But but I would say yeah, there's a good. I've never actually done that comparison, but I would say they. If I went to a competitor, it would likely look similar, assuming we got the same group of people. Any other questions about this? <laughs> I can't offer an explanation for why. That's actually a, yeah. I don't know why she did that. Um, she was also the process excellence VP, uh, which in this company was tightly, tightly integrated with quality Therefore, you can kind of understand why profitability shows up as all of her hot spots. We're going to move on in the interest of time. Um, another piece, of, another survey we send out is, uh, you know, we said, we said what's important strategy-wise. Now we're going to say we're going to be interested in what do you what do you need the most help with? What's important and what do you need the most help with? So what do you need the most help with is a capability gap assessment. It's another survey. Basically, it looks something like, it's actually very long, and it says, you know, for a given product development initiative or process, you know, how well do you think you stack up against a best-in-class kind of description? And this is called a, we, we have a term for this in consulting called capability maturity model. I don't know if that's familiar to you or not. So we, on a capability maturity model, you say, well, I'm a, I think on a scale of one to four, I'm a, I'm a three or I'm a two. Um, so we asked them to score themselves. In this case, a five, which represents the outer part of this chart, uh, would be best in class. A zero would be we're terrible at it. And you can see the yellow is their actual scores on a given. So a given axis is just a, a certain area. And the one point I wanted to make here is I want to ask you, what, what should they work on? What's this chart suggest they should work on? Do we understand the chart? The yellow is their capability as they scored it. The outer edge of the blue is best in class. So for example, on, on optimized configuration management, they said they're a 2.7 out of five, kind of in the middle. What does this chart say they should work on? Enable dynamic publishing, right. That's what it looks like, doesn't it? Why? Do you think, let me, we're going to move on because of, because of time, but why do you think uh, that might not be the thing to work on? Can you think of a reason why they might not want to work on the thing that they're the worst at? That's exactly right. So it could be that the thing that they have the highest score in might be the most important. Who, you know, who knows? We have, to, we have to flush that out a little bit. So what we've done is, and this is another popular kind of tool in consulting, a two-by-two two chart. 
Is everybody familiar with two by two charts? Okay, so we're going we're going to map how important is it on the y-axis? How big is the gap on the x-axis? So a five on this x-axis is it's a big gap. A zero is we're great at it because we took five minus the score. So we kind of reversed it. So where do you want to be on this chart in general? What's, what's the region that, that would be the best place to be? Top left. Top left? Top right, top right. Lowest gap, the lowest gap, the most important. You want to be up, up and to the right. I'm showing it. I got to reverse my hands. Yeah. You want to be up and to the right is the most important. Oh, I'm sorry. You want, you were right. I'm, I'm saying the wrong thing. You're right. The top left is where you want to be. The top right is where you want to focus your efforts. Most important, biggest gap. Most important, biggest gap. So we've kind of circled what we think are the three areas based on just surveys that this company needed to focus on. This is so high level, it's really just conversational. You really have to get into the dirty details to deliver value. If this was the final result of the engagement, we would have very unhappy clients. You have to dive into the detail, which we don't have. Say again? It's a gut feeling. Yeah, it's, a, it's subjective. It's very subjective. That would be fair to say. All right, we're going to move along here. I haven't kept up in my notes here. All right. Next thing we want to think about is a balanced scorecard. We got 10 minutes. Does anybody know what a balanced scorecard is? Does everyone know what a balanced scorecard is? Let me ask that the right way. Does anyone not know what a balanced scorecard is? A lot of people don't know what a balanced scorecard is. Okay, so we need, to, we need to talk about that. That's going to have value. So a balanced scorecard is a system that was developed by some Harvard professors. And it's a way to think about how to link um, business objectives, strategies, to business initiatives, which is what are you going to do about it. And the way we think about that is we're going to have measures we call, some, some places we'll call them metrics. Sometimes that means a lower level term. Some places we'll call them measures. We're going to measure something and we're going to see how we do versus a target. We're going to set a target and work towards it. And this tends to be a very effective way to think about how to improve something. Um, furthermore, we're going to make sure that what we measure covers four distinct areas. And the, the typical scorecard looks like financial measures, customer measures, business process measures, and a learning and growth. Some people might call it adoption measures. So these are four typical areas. You want to make sure on a balanced scorecard that you, you take a look at or consider in your project to know if you are successful. So what, it's probably worth thinking about for a minute, what would be a financial measure for a project? NPV, that's a good one. Actually, I've got some examples up there if you can read the small print. Uh, what would be an example of a customer metric, customer measure? If you're gonna measure how, how, how successful your project is, you have engineers using your product, what would you do? If the engineers are the customers, what would you measure to know if you're successful? Reduced work time. I'll take that. Customer satisfaction is probably the most popular one. Get that off of a survey. 
uh, we're going to move on. I have a video demonstration, and I think we're probably going to close with that. We have five minutes? Uh, yeah. I think we have time to do it. I think it's worth it. So we're going to um, cut out of that. And we're going to try this. I've never tried this with this big of a group, but we're going to give it a shot. So Duke, uh, I assume Duke students know a lot about basketball, probably more than I do. Stop. Ah, I'm having trouble running this movie is my problem. We're going to show a, a quick clip. And what I want to do is I want to have everyone collect a metric or a measure based on the, on the video clip. If you've seen this video clip before, then I encourage you not to say anything because it's, it's a widely distributed uh, video. Uh, hope, has anybody seen it, by the way? Did, did you saw a brief glimpse. Some folks have seen it. I don't need any sound. So what we're going to do is collect some metrics. Um, basketball, you know what a chest pass is, so it doesn't touch the floor. So we're going to count. We're going to have one group count chest passes, and one group's going to count. Actually, you're going to count chest passes and bounce passes. Does everybody know the difference? I'm sure. Okay, so let's, let's say this half of the room is going to be the black jersey team. This half's going to be the white jersey team. And I want you to count bounce passes and chest passes for each team. Does that make sense? So black jerseys, white jerseys, everybody's going to count bounce passes, chest passes. Don't start when I, when I, I'm going to have to rewind this, I think, because it's going to start where I left off, which is not what I want. I don't know why I can't get it started. Okay, here we go. Are we ready? Start counting. That's it. Um, black jersey people, how many bounce passes did people count? Nine, 11. How many chest passes? 13, 12. Okay, white, white jersey team, how many chest passes? How many? 15, what else? Everybody, 14, 15, that was chest passes, I said? How many bounce passes? Three. Everybody agrees on three? Four. We got a four back there. How many people, you can just raise your hand, how many people saw something goofy going on? That's a, that's a pretty good number, about half maybe. For those that didn't see anything goofy going on, perhaps you may have noticed, did you happen to see something Go through the screen, walk through the screen. A gorilla. Stopped in the middle, beat his chest, walked along. Some people completely miss it. Some see it, some don't. Should we play it again? Does anybody want to see it again? They, might as well play it again. Is it going to play? Executives love this stuff. Watch for the gorilla coming in from the right. See, I always wondered what the S on the wall was. That bothered me, but I missed the gorilla. There he comes. Look, he's going to beat his chest. He's going to walk off. Executives love this stuff, by the way. Does anybody want to, can anybody tell me what's going on? Can anybody tell me what's going on with that? Concentration. What else? Both of them 
three on three. Yeah. <laughs> Those were students, by the way. Anybody have an idea why? Why do you? Sh why do I show a video like that? Yeah, you know, as um, I think you got it. The as humans, we kind of when we want to measure something, it, we kind of look at it funny. We want to look at it from all the different sides and hold it up and inspect it. And you know, we get into the details and we worry about the actual measurement and is it is it valid or not? And you know, can I can I find a source you know that supports my number and how do I prove it? Especially as engineers, you got to watch out for this. You might miss the big picture. That's the, that's the point of the video. You might miss a bigger thing going on if you concentrate on just the measurement. So there's a term that got coined. It's called inattentional blindness. If you want to read more on this, just Google that, and it'll take you to, actually, Wikipedia has it, and you can uh, read about it. There's also links to the, the academics behind it and why it's interesting. Um, so we like to show that for the balanced scorecard discussion when we talk about measures. You want to think about not missing the big picture and not avoid concentrating on something specific and getting caught up in the details. A lot of, a lot of consulting engagements get kind of log jammed uh, over details that aren't so important and they miss the big important things. So it's real important in the consulting business, and I would say the management business. To finish this off, we're running out of time. Uh, as part of our delivery to a client, we would come up with a, the technology part. That's that yellow thing on the corner. The bottom is a, a roadmap. We would try to figure out what to do in what sequence and what's in parallel and what depends on what and what's the right order based on all the things, information we collected. Lastly, we're going to develop a business case. The colors represent areas of opportunity. Uh, any, everybody understand what a business case is when I say that? Some people use different terms. It's a return on investment. I'm going to spend money. I'm going to invest. I'm going to you know, my productivity is going to go down. And then eventually I'm going to get to a break even point and start getting a return in some future year. And so we try to quantify that. It's a very subjective art. There's a lot of controversy around it. Um, some things I wanted to point out was that uh, we typically get into a conversation about intangible and tangible benefits. Some C CFOs of companies only want to know about hard benefits and they don't want to know about soft benefits. We use a term called cost avoidance. Does everybody know what cost avoidance is? So there might be some cost I can avoid if I take action today. That means I don't have to spend money tomorrow. If I take credit for that, that's a, in my business case, that's a cost avoidance. Some CFOs throw that out. They only want to know how many hard dollars they're going to save. What if I improve efficiency? I, I have a management choice now, don't I? I can get rid of people, which is kind of unpalatable in most cases, or I can be more efficient. So if I can increase efficiency, that should have value, but again, a lot of CFOs will throw that out. So we argue a lot over the business case and whether something should be counted or not. I think we're out of time. Uh, if, should we take questions? If you have any questions on really anything, that I can help you with, I'd be happy to answer. I have a question. I want to play devil's advocate with you regarding your presentation. A criticism that's frequently leveraged against consultants is that they use acronyms and fancy words to describe things that everybody already knows about. And, and your slideshow will sort of explain why that is. I mean, you're taking a survey. People seem to agree on what the problems are. Um, as a consultant, isn't your strength uh, sort of an outside perspective coming in and seeing things 
Uh, yeah, we call that a point of view. So a consulting company will develop a point of view on a subject and share that as part of, we skipped over this by the way, there's a business development part of an engagement that precedes it. It's the selling of the engagement and that's where you would share your point of view on a topic. You would, you would say, you know, we see these things at your competitors, here's, what the industry, here's what's going on in your industry, uh, here's what we've noticed on recent engagements with other, other clients, here's how we think we can help you based on what we know about your company. Um, you do provide that. You provide that up front many times for free uh, in order to get the work that you can charge for. Uh, also, what's popular is benchmark studies. Everybody wants to know what's going on at the competitor, by the way. So uh, the rule of consulting is you can't identify you know, the source of your information, so you can't share competitive information. You can't identify it so that it's traceable back to your, your client. So I have to remove all the, kind of sanitize all of the data on there so that it doesn't point back to a certain company, you know, someone tried to take the initials and figure out who, who it was. Luckily, that wasn't successful. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll remove those before I distribute, <laughs> distribute the uh, presentation. Does that answer your question? Yeah, terminology is, um, that, it, that can be a hang-up. Some people get turned off by it. I'll tell you, my boss is amazing. He'll go in, and he's nothing but consulting jargon. It's to the point that I can't, I can't even understand. People in my company can't understand what he's saying. But I got to tell you, the, I mean, executives love it. They love it. I, I'm shocked. But if you try that same, if you take that same conversation and play it to an engineering level person, it won't fly. You have to have a, you target your conversation to the person that you're talking with. It's a different conversation with an engineer, a manager, an executive. Those conversations are all different. That's why we always spend a lot of time before we go into meetings. Who's going to be in the room? What's their title? What are they interested in? We spend a lot of time on that, prepping for meetings, so that we know what kind of conversation to have. More strategic for the executives, more tactical for the engineering uh, level folks. Yeah, that's, a, that's another dilemma. I don't have a great answer. I can tell you that there are some companies that do you know, pure strategy. They won't help you with execution. There's other companies that lean towards execution and not the strategy part. There's some companies that try to claim they can do both. Um, I, don't have, I don't know what I can tell you about that. Uh, it's, I'll say this, uh, most consultants most uh, MBA candidates, I don't know if that would apply to you folks. If, you know, in your study, it's kind of like an MBA in my mind for engineers. Um, everybody wants to be a strategy person. Every consultant wants to be doing strategy because it seems glorious and fun and you know, that's where the excitement is. But uh, in reality, it's probably 10% of the industries, maybe less. Um, there's a lot more work in the execution part. There's very little work in the strategy part. Strategy engagements are hard to sell. You have to have a lot of credibility. You know, McKinsey, BCG, there's certain companies. If you're in airspace, maybe it's Booz Allen. Uh, on the execution side, PTC is more of an execution company. We'd like to think we can move into strategy someday, but we're not really there yet. We're more of an execution company because we have our background in our history and tools, engineering tools. So we're we tend to be more execution focused. So, you know, the strategy is already determined and then we can help with how to execute it. So you'll get, you'll get companies that can do a kind of a, a range. Any other questions? Oh. Uh, from a psychological standpoint, uh, there are bound to be employees in the company who would have an ego issue saying, I've worked in this company for 15 or 20 years. And here's a guy who's come in as a consultant who's probably knows nothing about this. How do you deal with, with that ego issue? 
Yeah, so um, how do you deal with negativity? How do you deal with someone who thinks, uh, you know, you're wasting their time maybe? Uh, hap happens all the time. Um, that's why we try to go start at the top and work our way down instead of starting at the bottom and working our way up. Uh, if you have the leverage of the executive, the sponsor, then you don't have to worry about that. You can, you can be devil's advocate. Maybe your role is to be objective. Uh, you can play a lot of different roles. So, um, you know, in terms, you know, there's interpersonal things you can do, which we probably shouldn't get into for time reasons, but uh, that's just part of the, that comes with the job. There's going to be people who are, you know, who think, oh, that's, that's something we didn't cover, I meant to cover, by the way, is, you know, like vision, for example. Is vision important to a company? Mission statements? You know, I, I'll tell you, when I was an engineer in airspace, I thought, what a waste of time. I, I couldn't care less about that stuff. In fact, when I, when I got my MBA and I interviewed on campus for a job, it was with IBM Consulting, and I was, I was having a great interview. It was going great. A uh, guy asked me what the you know, earnings per share was. I knew it. It was amazing. And uh, the conversation got towards the end of the interview. I, I had the job in my pocket, and we got onto this conversation about vision and mission statements and whether it was important or not. I don't know why, but boy, I, I really shot myself in the foot. I said, oh, you know, what a waste of time. And <laughs> I just told him my true feelings. I thought, well, he should know, you know what he's getting open kimono approach, and uh, yeah, that, that shot that interview right down the toilet. <laughs> so I didn't get that job offer, but um, I'll tell you this, you know, I, I, I was a skeptical engineer. My engineering colleagues all said, oh gosh, you get an MBA, you're going to the dark side. Uh, you know, very, very unpopular uh, decision, should stay technical. Um, I'll tell you, there's a lot of value to these kind of soft concepts, uh, talent management, um, organizational change management, leadership. If you want to make it as a manager, these are all psychology, frankly. I wish I'd taken more psychology courses. All of these things play into management roles in a big way and can be very effective. And don't kid yourself. If you talk to these executives, they'll amaze you with their breadth of knowledge in these areas. They really do get it. This particular company that we covered, the CIO was the most amazing person I've ever talk, talked with. I mean, he could, he could articulate things you couldn't believe. He said, uh, you know, we need to be more like Walmart and less like our competitor was one thing he said. Uh, just some very deep ideas. And, you know, he, he really understood generally what, what the role of IT was in an organization and what he should be doing. Uh, not everybody gets it, but this particular company was, the executives were, were just top notch. Anyway, I hope that answered the question. I'm not sure if I rambled too much. Is there any, anybody else have a question? Cool, thank you very much. Yeah. Michael.